Did you take my shirt? No. Okay. Hi. Hi. Welcome back to Did You Take My Shirt? I am Katie, your host. And I am Amy, your other host. Hey, host with ghost, host with the most. Host with the most. Hey, guess what? What? It's episode five. <gasps> episode five. You made it all this way. Congratulations. You don't get anything but to listen to us again. Congratulations. Again. And thank you for listening. Yes. You get our, your, you get our overwhelming sense Joy. of gratitude. Yeah. and joy and good stories yes yeah. stories. and if you're a patreon listener you can see us recording this and uh my hot ex- mess express um hot mess express. <laughs> <laughs> going on here i just literally got out of the car from driving six and a half hours from anchorage with my good friend Bree and my daughter, got out of the car, uh, emailed myself my notes to this other computer that I'm on, and sat down to record. So, did you grab yourself a drink, Ski? I did. You, did. you deserve it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it was a great drive, but like that last like hour, you're just like, I want to go home. I want to. I want to be home. But like, we were having a great time singing and stuff. But. Like when I'm driving, like I get that like sunburn from the sun hitting the windshield and my Mm -hmm. face gets all hot. So yeah, you got your nails done. Sure did. Look at those. You got some spooky claws going on. Thank you. Yeah, I got them done because we went, we're down at, I have so much to tell you. So I hope you're in for it. Okay. I'm ready. I really didn't have an eventful week. So (laughs) I was sick a whole week. You were sick. I'm so sorry. Let's talk about that first. You, oh, not you, that exciting. I thought I had coronavirus, but I test. I got my results yesterday. They were negative. Just oh had a God. really, really bad cold with like all the symptoms. So, oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay, but you know, I'm feeling better today, and I'm so glad. I'm glad that we pushed re- the recording so that you could get better. Yeah, so thank you. <laughs> that was that really helped because nothing's worse than having to like entertain somebody when you're sick. Yeah. So absolutely. Or do anything. I was not a fan of doing anything at all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, but I'm, today was better. We went, we I, since I got my results back, we went and went to the spirit Halloween store is officially <gasps> open. Um, <laughs> 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 not all the stuff is out though. So like all the shelf just say like to be continued silver you know putting stuff on the shelf and I was like well I guess we'll have to go back but I was so excited it was the first thing I wanted to do once I touched the negative they're like uh I guess we'll open because these people are like at the door but we're not <laughs> yeah. done stocking exactly and then uh we went to Barnes and Noble and I got a Loki comic book the Lady Loki mischief of uh um Madam of Mischief. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. I think I'm having a brain fart, but we I wasn't expecting to get anything. I also was gonna get a true crime book, which there was a tag with the books and it was like perfect for murderinos. And I was like, I like murder. 
Yeah, so I almost got one of the suggestion books, but I was like, I'm never going to read this. Every time I get a book, I like don't read it. So I was like, when I get a comic book, I'll read that. There you so, go. And sometimes it's good to not completely indulge yourself in true crime because it's very um, mentally draining. Yeah, that was the thought too. I was like, maybe if once I'm done like reading other books I have to read, I'll pick up one of these. But yeah, yeah. yeah maybe so uh, was... treat yourself later. Yeah, so that was my week. My one event day of the past week. Oh man, <laughs> this all sounds good. Okay, how was your? <laughs> so we, I. I was like sitting here thinking, well, not sitting here thinking, like as the weekend was going on, I was like, I cannot wait to tell Caitlin. So um, my friend Bree and I went down to Anchorage and we stayed with our friend Kate, uh, my good friend Kate, um, because she has an apartment down there. And so we stayed with her and it was just basically like a weekend to get away uh, from the kids and stuff like that, even though I brought my kid with me, but she like hung out with Kate the whole time and her kids. So it, uh, it was basically like just a little shopping spree sort of thing. And, uh, so we went, the main reason why we went down is because we wanted to go on this ghost tour. So we went on this ghost tour, uh, Friday night, Friday night, Friday night. And, uh, dude, it was so cool. So uh, I learned a whole lot about the ghosts in Anchorage, which they're actually very friendly, except for one. Um, and then uh, when we were at one of the, like, it was an outside tour. So like you walk the street of downtown Anchorage and one of them at one of the hotels, he was telling us about, he said like a lot of people will faint and stuff because that's like one of and it's always women like women will faint in the presence of this this bathroom or hotel the guy had just told us that and then all of a sudden this elder woman freaking falls like she claps oh. to the ground but she had a cane and you know it looked like she had some medical issues going on so I was like do I want to believe that she fainted because of the ghost or do I want to believe <laughs> it's because she got weak in the knees and collapsed? So yeah. that was kind of weird. Uh, probably the latter, but it was really cool. And then there was another one where I forgot what ghost, what spot it was. I forgot what ghost it was, but it was one of them. And uh, they, the ghost tour guy said, uh, you know, things will happen like uh, electronics will go dead and whatnot. Yeah. And Brie has an Apple watch and it was fully charged. There's nothing wrong with it. And she went to like, go check the time or something. And she realized it was freaking dead. And she was like, what the heck? And she was like, oh, and I'm like saying like, oh, it's because it was like, you know, on roaming or whatever, or, you know, maybe you didn't actually charge it. Yeah. So yesterday she tested it out. She left it at 70% charged 
and started throughout the day and it didn't die. And then today on our way home, it didn't die. And she's like, my watch never dies. So that was kind of weird. And then um, the last stop, there was a, we stopped at a hotel. It was Anchorage uh, Historical Hotel, which would be really Mm -hmm. fun to stay at. And there's reports of 35 different ghosts that stay there. Mm -hmm. And um, they have like a book just for uh, people's experiences with the ghosts. Yeah. Which is really cool. And then uh, um, we're sitting, Bree and I, like, we, this one, we got to go inside and sit down because it was the last stop. And this, uh, he was talking about this ghost and he and like I was sitting there it was kind of like a bar yeah we were sitting at like bar stool type height uh Mm -hmm. tables and chairs and I was sitting there and I'm like man I'm getting lightheaded like this is weird like you know how you can't like your eyes can't focus on something like I kept looking around I was trying to get focus and I couldn't and then he started talking about this ghost that Uh, he was an artist and he said, I would sit, he would, I would sit, he would sit right there in front of the window and paint. And that's exactly where Brie and I were sitting. I was like, whoa, that's so weird. So it all could be coincidental, coincidental, but it was really spooky. Uh, And one of the, during the tour, because it was downtown. So there was like a lot, it it was very lively downtown. Mm -hmm. Um, There was these uh, a guy like came out of this bar with another guy and this guy was yelling at this person. And I guess like he had like taken out a knife on him. And so he was like, the other guy was like trying to run off and that guy was like chasing him. And then all of a sudden, like three minutes later, we hear the cops, you know, arresting him. And it was really loud. And it was, I was like, oh my gosh, we almost died. You know, it was, it was, (laughs) so fun though. It was so much fun. It was, (laughs) we had a really good time. So yeah, it was, it was good. So you did two, two ghost tours? No, that was just one ghost tour. Oh, wow. That sounds pretty eventful for a ghost tour. Yeah, it was 90 minutes. He, and it was like nonstop talking it was great had tons of stories I would love to do it with you it was really it was a good yeah. time you should that would be a lot of fun yeah I love ghost tours I real too. they're so spooky <laughs> so um yeah that was our weekend we went to Dave and Buster's because I've never been and oh was like, it I've never been to Dave and Buster's either I, I felt like a kid it was a lot of fun Aww. yeah <laughs> had really good food it was and we hung out with Kate which was nice and last Uh, night last night we watched a ton of old scary movies that I've never seen because they're like Amy you have a podcast about true crime and spooky stuff and you've never seen scary movie the scary movie and I was like you've never seen scary movie no I haven't seen that I haven't seen (laughs) I watched Halloween for the first time yesterday I watched yeah, dude, like, I, uh, our um, mother to, deprived to, us. Yeah, to be <laughs> fair, um, Brian and I watched Trick or Treat for the first time. Have you seen that one with Sam? Nope. Yeah, it's, uh, and he didn't know. We went to the Halt Spirit Halloween store today, and 
the character from it, Sam, like the main character, is yeah. like everywhere. It's a staple. It's kind of like, you know, Friday the 13th and really like, it. Yeah. yeah. Jason, I it it was like everywhere. And he's like, I had no idea. And I was like, yeah, dude, it's like a the staple like horror horror yeah. movie. It's yep. like a part of the, the classics now, even though it was made in like 2007, I think. Oh, well, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, there is a lot of reference in the scary movie that I've never, I didn't know. Because they're like, that's from Scream. And I was like, never seen Scream. I don't know. So you should watch, you should watch more. There's some pretty good scary movies. They're, they're making me. So... <laughs> <laughs> they're like every Saturday we're doing scary movie Saturdays and I was like okay oh, I love that that's super cute yeah until I guess I get all caught up for all the staples they're like this cannot be a thing Amy and I'm like I'm sorry <laughs> like I wasn't allowed like I think the first scary movie that I watched was over at a friend's house when I was in middle school and that was uh um the ring Oh yeah, that one's pretty scary. I think the first <laughs> one we when that we were able to watch was Signs, which is like a pretty scary movie. Oh yeah, I remember watching Signs. So maybe yeah, is yeah. yeah, that was pretty scary. What Disney story do you have today? So I have a backstage Disney story. So on February eleventh, two thousand four, a thirty-eight year old employee dressed as Pluto who worked at the park for eight years, died at the Magic Kingdom when he was, I'm I'm guessing in Disney World, because in Disneyland, they don't call it Magic. Well, they do call it Magic Kingdom, but they separate them in Disney World. It doesn't specify. Right. Um, Died at the Magic Kingdom when he was run over by Beauty and the Beast float in the Sharon Dream Come True Parade. No. Disney... Disney representatives commented that no incident of these circumstances had ever happened before to a cast member, to, specifically to a cast member, um, and that no guests had, had seen the incident. This led OSHA to find Disney $6,300 for having employees in restricted areas. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so I I specifically when I was looking for a story this week, I was like, I wonder if anyone has died in a costume. Um, what a way so to this, go! Yeah, this employee got crushed by a float dressed as Pluto. In the, How? But for a dream come true parade. <laughs> that was not a dream come true. That's for sure. Oh my gosh! How do you get crushed by a float though? Don't you see it? Um, I'm not I'm, knocking the guy, but it's just, I'm just like assuming that, you know, those things go kind of fast and they kind of can't stop. And usually like the people are like kind of, if you've seen, ever seen a Disney parade or you just know any general parade, that's kind of like corporate and their parades are a little bit less like chaotic. They're kind of like pretty structured, but yeah. um, they have characters like running around the float sometimes oh that is true and he could have just like tripped or maybe he didn't see and the like got caught and then maybe got ran over yeah oh that poor boy yeah what a way to go in a pluto costume yeah 
That's so sad. Yeah. So. And when was that? What year? 2004. Uh, he was 38 years old. Had worked for the oh, for man. Six years. He had been working for Disney for eight years. Wow. Can uh. I was, uh, Alice and I were listening to a Disney podcast uh, just a couple minutes ago, and they talked, they were talking about how that primeval world that mm-hmm. you, did the cover, you did a story on, uh, it's permanent, permanently closed. Oh, really? For accidents. Recently? Yeah. That, oh. They closed it in March. That was right after we were there. Yeah. That was a couple months, or that was no March of a this year. After, yeah, that was a month after we were, were there. Oh, we were there in February, huh? Yeah, January, February. It was February. It was February. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it was a month after we were there, and it was open then, I think, or maybe it was closed. No, it wasn't February because I was in Alaska in February. Oh, that's right. It was last sometime last year. Yeah. Sorry, I wanted I wanted the kitten to meow on on camera. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a really heavy story. It is pretty heavy. So I don't know if you want to go first or if you would like me to go first. Um, I think you can go first with this week. I think I went first last week. Yeah, so that we end on a lighter note. Lighter note. I mean, all murders are not a good note, but so this is actually not a murder, but it is a kidnapping and it's really awful. Uh, Are you stretching before? (laughs) (laughs) My body is like, I'm set. Can you please stretch me before you sit longer and drink? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> we're 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 powering through here. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. So before I start, I would like to talk about um something about this. It involves sexual assault. So if you uh don't want to listen, completely understand. Um, but it um I really wanted to cover it and bring awareness to uh how awful people can be and yeah. um your district viewer discretion or listener discretion advice yes um so unfortunately many of us do know people or are one ourselves a victim of sexual or um, domestic assault um and it's something that needs to be stopped. So if you know anyone who is being assaulted, please reach out to someone, the local police or the hotline um, for RAIN, R-A-I-N-N. I did not write down what that meant stands for, which I should know because I'm on that, I was on that website a lot a couple of years ago. But um, the hotline is 1-800-856-HOPE. Uh, 1-800-856-4673. So um, the RAIN website has a lot of ways to talk to someone, a live chat, a 24-7 helpline. And they also have an app, which is really cool. Um, And 
on the website, you can check out uh, the laws in your state regarding uh, sexual and physical assault, which is really cool. Um, and the, the website and the app is for ages, uh, you know, from 87 to four, like doesn't matter what, how old you are, you know, they, um, anyone can contact them and victims of sexual assault hold a special place in my heart. So um, I'm always trying to advocate for them. No one deserves the cruel things that can happen to a sexual assault victim. So that being said, I'm going to talk about Colleen Stan. Um, Colleen was born. Oh, and this is another thing is this story actually happened about 30 to 40 minutes away from the town that Katie and I grew up from. Um, I didn't actually, this didn't happen when we were um, alive, but I heard this story surprisingly, because it is a pretty popular story. Surprisingly, I didn't actually hear about this story until a couple months ago when I was on the phone with my mother-in-law, Sarah, and she was telling me about hometown stories from of her experience. And so she told me one that was uh, like one of her neighbors and then this story. And I was like, I cannot, I was like mind blown that this happened so close to home. Um, so thank you, Sarah, my mother-in-law for sharing this story with me. Um, but Colleen was born uh, December 31st, 1956 in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, she had a pretty average life. Her parents seemed like good people, nothing very out of the ordinary. Um, and so in 1977, uh, Colleen was 20 and she wanted to go to a birthday party in Westwood, California for a friend. Um, and so what would you normally do? You would get in your car and just head down, but her car was broken. So uh, she was like, why not hitchhike? You know, it's the times, it's the seventies and she's done it before. Mm -hmm. So why not? Um, so she hitchhiked all the way down from Eugene, all the way to Red Bluff, California. Mm -hmm. um, she was with a truck driver and he dropped her off at the exit of highway 36, uh, which actually heads towards the coast. Uh, she, she went up the ramp, uh, to highway 36 and started hitchhiking again. And, uh, she actually turned down two possible, uh, rides because they didn't seem right. One was like kind of sketchy and the other one, um, she felt like it was off. So she's like, no, I'm just, I'm going to wait. So mm -hmm. a blue van actually pulled up with a husband and a wife and a baby. And she was like, well, there's a wife, there's a baby it seems safe. And she said that the driver, which is Cameron, she's like, he seemed kind of geeky and, you know, the wife seemed normal. So, um, she seemed kind. Her name was Janice, uh, Hook, Cameron and Janice Hooker were their names. Mm. Um, she felt confident. So she's like, why not? seems like a nice family. Um, and they stop at a gas station a little bit down the ways, and she goes to the bathroom and she's in the bathroom and she's like, I just got this like overwhelming sense to like, just climb out the window and run and don't come back, don't look back. But she's like, you know, I want to get to this birthday party, get yourself together. It's fine. There's nothing wrong. You're psyching yourself up. So she got gathered herself together and got back in the car. Um, they drove another 20 to 30 minutes. 
and they're like, hey, we want to stop and look at these ice caves near Red Bluff, which I wish I looked into this more because I don't know where there would be ice caves in Red Bluff, um, even in the 70s. I wish I looked that up more, but that's what she, those came, yeah, those came from her words in a documentary that I was wa watching, so I'm not entirely sure. Um, but she's like, sure, why not? It's a free ride. I don't mind. Just don't, you know, hopefully they don't take long. So uh, the family gets out. She's sitting in the car still. Um, and all of a sudden, the husband grabs her and puts a knife to her neck. Um, he bound and gagged her and put this box over her head. And this box was like a, like a clam, like it opened up like a clam. There's hinges on the one side. So when they put it back on, when he put it on her head, it completely encased her head and there was latches. So she couldn't take it off. Yeah. Um, and the inside of it was, uh, lined with carpet. So if she screamed, it muffled her and no one could really hear her. Um, and they all get back in the car and they drove home to Oak street in Red Bluff, California. And so I looked up Oak street and it's right in the freaking middle to middle of town. Like the county jail is not even two blocks away. The DMV uh -huh. is right around the corner. And they brought her there. Uh, they put her in the basement um, where he hung her by her arms from the rafters and he stripped her down. Um, he then whipped her with these straps that he had, like, you know, these leather uh, whips or things. He whipped her. Um, and then uh, he put a box under her feet so she could stand on her tippy toes. And um, him and J Cameron and Janice um, end up having intercourse in front of her. Um, and after they were done, he removed the box from her head and he let her, uh, or not from her head, excuse me. He removed the box from her under her feet and he she had to hang there for another 15 minutes. Um, and then finally released her from the rafters and put her in a box in the basement, like a wooden box. Yeah. Um, but he chained her wrists and tied her feet to the box um, and left, uh, put the, the clam box around her, the box on for her head back on um, and left her there. Um, but before I get more into the torture that she went through, um, I want to talk about uh, Janice and Cameron's relationship real quick, because mm -hmm. you would think like what type of woman would let your spouse treat another woman like this. Janice met Cameron when she was 15 years old um, and he was 19. Uh, Janice's parents were super strict. They wouldn't allow her to date wear certain clothes, no two, two pieces, you know, two piece swimsuits or she couldn't even wear shorts. Yeah. Um, but she met him and, you know, she really wanted to date her, him and he wanted to date her. So he talked to Janice and um, talked Janice into letting him hang her from a tree with her arms, by her arms and strip her. Mm -hmm. And because she had such low self-esteem uh, and was desperate for Cameron's attention, she allowed it. So, uh, on their very first date, he already started, you know, torturing her. Um, and they got married on January 18th. Cameron was very fixated on bo the bondage appeal, uh, practices. Um, 
And after seven years, so she put up with this for seven years, she decided she couldn't do it anymore. So uh, he wanted to keep doing this. He wanted to have a slave. And so they made it, and she wanted a baby. So they made an agreement. You can have a slave if you let me have a baby. And so of course, like she didn't get out of it completely because she still had to like uh, have intercourse with him because that was the deal was you can have a slave, you can torture them, but you can't have sex with them. You have to still have sex with me. So she really didn't get out of it completely, but she got a lot taken away from a lot of the torture was taken off of her shoulders. Yeah. Um, so that's their relationship and that's how it, how it went. But so back to Colleen's right. The first few days, uh, she was in captivity. Cameron gave her a meal and she usually couldn't eat it. I mean, I wouldn't either, but that pissed him off. So he would whip her until she would finish the meal. Uh, Cameron eventually moved her to a coffin-like box in the basement uh, instead of what she was in. And, but he still kept her naked and chained by the neck. So he had like a collar that he would put around her um, and chained it to whatever he wanted her to be chained to, Mm -hmm. Um, which that lasted about five months. Um, She was only allowed. Oh, I know. Um, Just wait though. It gets worse. Um, That lasted about five months. She was only allowed to leave to eat, drink, and use the bathroom, but Cameron had to be there by her the whole time. So uh, she was getting no privacy whatsoever, except for, I guess, the privacy inside the box, but that's, I can't imagine. Um, He would also remove her from the, the coffin to practice his bondage on her. Um, by hanging her by her arms Um, he would restrict her breathing um, so she almost like would pass out almost and then uh, you know let it back you know let her breathe again and he would whip her and stuff and um, all while wearing the head box she always had to wear this head box Um, uh, he got a lot of new ideas from pornography magazines that he was subscribed to Mm -hmm. um and some of those ideas were like um electrical wire uh shocking um burning her with a heat lamp um holding her head under the water in a bathtub until she could she stopped breathing um all these awful torturous awful, awful things to someone that does not want those things to be happening to them. Um, Colleen estimated that he whipped her a hundred separate times, like, uh, different sessions, I would say different times, um, while she was imprisoned. Uh, Cameron also put together a contract that he required Colleen to sign. Uh, just basically part he got this idea from his magazines is basically just like a, one of those uh, empowerment things for him um the contract he's like can you sign this contract for me doing all these things to do to you that I could basically kidnap you to do yeah exactly like you're gonna do it anyways why do I have to sign it but it was part of his yeah his, 
uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it was basically stating that she was his slave and he, and she had to do anything he asked her to do and she wasn't allowed to say no. And she obviously had no choice and signed it. She's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like you're going to keep me here anyways. Um, but, uh, he also said like, oh, it's okay. Like Janice was a slave once too, but she tried to escape. Um, uh, and he was like, he was, he said like, oh, but I was in love with her. So I quickly married her to stop the company from killing her. So at the beginning of her capture, he convinced Colleen that, um, he was part of a slave company and they would closely company. watch. Mm-hmm. It was just what, like, like corporate slave company, corporate slave. Yes, actually, uh, uh, LLC. So they're an LLC. No, <laughs> no not really. Uh, it's he, hard. That's just like really funny to me. It's dumb. It's, it's really, really dumb. So it's like humorous. I call my slave company. Yeah, and, we're and actually an LLC. <laughs> we pay our dues. <laughs> we pay our dues. So um at the beginning of the capture, he convinced Colleen that he was part of the slave company, and the company would closely watch these slaves of these owners, I guess. And they knew all sorts of movements that slaves would do to possibly leave. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything and everything was taped and they monitored all the slaves' movements. So when he was like yeah well janice tried to escape too and they were gonna kill her but i loved her so i married her so they wouldn't they wouldn't uh which is stupid but of course like you're scared to death of anything and so colleen believed it uh so we're now in october of 1997 which is the same year um about five months after her abduction uh, Cameron built a triangle-shaped box under the stairs. That's where she spent, and that's where she spent the rest of her time in that particular house. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was only taking her out to eat, drink, and use the bathroom along with his sexual assaults. Um, but they actually eventually moved to an acre of land with a mobile home on the property that they purchased. Um, and I, I was trying to look it up because their last name is Hooker. So it made me wonder if they're part of the, like, if like someone in their family named the road because there's a Hooker Creek Road in Red Bluff. But I couldn't, I couldn't find anything on it. Uh, but they, they eventually moved out to this property with a mobile home, but the mobile home didn't have a basement. Um, so... It was the 70s, and he wanted to hide his uh, quote-unquote slave. He wanted to hide Janice, or excuse me, they wanted to hide, he wanted to hide uh, Colleen. So Cameron built a box under, to go underneath their bed, under their waterbed. Um, Ew, they had a waterbed? Of course <laughs> they did. Of course they did. It was the 70s. Uh, but he built a box for her to go under their waterbed. And at this time, Cameron and Janice got into it a lot. Uh, 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 They're fighting over, uh, Janice was super jealous of Colleen. So he's uh, starting to like 
came where it mentioned her calling yeah. and yeah yeah so they got into it and she called his bluff and so she's like yeah sure go ahead have sex with Colleen go ahead which obviously is more like rape but um so he's like okay so he went down uh to their room got her out pulled her out and raped her he had sex with her and um that's when uh like uh, Janice was like oh shoot like he didn't agree to this this agreement that we had but uh that's when Cameron started to give Colleen more privileges around the house uh probably because he was having more of a I wouldn't say a relationship but he was feelings he was like starting to have feelings for her I don't think it was I don't think it was feelings but I think it was like like she was starting to trust him more yeah she's giving him a reason to trust them her more yeah because he was giving her more so he gave her more that's when uh Cameron gave Colleen privileges around the house more um he allowed her to clean the bathrooms in the kitchen so now she was only allowed to get out of the box to be abused clean yep be abused sexually clean and eat and use the bathroom still being watched though um constantly um and at this time Cameron was spending a lot of time with Colleen uh Mm -hmm. because he was watching her clean and cook and stuff and um which wasn't going unnoticed from Janice. Uh, Colleen was forced to build a shed in the backyard with Cameron, which was strictly for his bondage rituals involving Colleen because Janice wasn't doing that stuff. Um, So the tension between Janice and Colleen was growing super strong. Um, Although it was 100% one-sided, Janice despised Colleen. Like Colleen didn't give two craps, you know? Um, but Janice despised Colleen. But after two years of living in this new home, um, 1980, Cameron let up on more uh, of his strict rules. Uh, Colleen was allowed to go outside and garden. She was allowed to go jogging. Um, but it's because he was very confident she wasn't going to leave because of the company. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, like, it's one of those things, like, you're, you're scared to death to leave because you don't want to get killed. You don't want yeah. your family to get killed. Um, so uh, Cameron was so confident in Colleen's loyalty that he actually let her call home um, as, as a Christmas present. Um, he didn't set, uh, he, but he did set rules for her. Obviously he was like, he reminded her that the company was listening in. And if, uh, she gave her family any clue of what was going on, he would hang up and make her regret she ever said anything. Uh, so during the call, she was super vague about what was going on in her life. Um, and the call was pretty short, but her parents were so obviously so thrilled to hear from her because they thought, you know, she had actually joined the cult there was like there's no way she's dead but she's been gone for two years you know she they were dead set that she had actually joined a cult um so now it's march 1981 um and her life really hasn't changed much uh she was still being abused almost daily but cameron felt like rewarding her even more so he let her visit her family 
Can you imagine being that confident that someone's not going to like turn you in or say something or I just, I can't. Yeah. What a piece of trash. Yeah. Uh, It's awful. Yeah. Uh, But she did have to prove her loyalty to him before she got to visit her family. Mm -hmm. Um. How do you think he proved her loyalty? How do I don't you know? Th- um, he said, take a shotgun and put it in your mouth. And so she did. She put a shotgun uh, to her mouth. Um, it was unloaded, but she didn't know that. Um, but she did it. And so then he took her to Riverside to where her parents lived. She was obviously instructed to tell them he was her fiance and he was down there for a business trip. And so while he was down there, she could go visit her family while he was working. Um, He was uh, also explained to her that their house was under surveillance by the company. Um, Mm -hmm. Inside and outside, they were listening to every little thing that went on inside that house so she said anything the company would kill her family and her um so obviously during the whole 24 hours she was there uh she didn't say anything she was super vague about her life uh they didn't really push for questions because they were just thrilled to see her and happy that she was there and um uh they didn't they didn't want to push her away even more than what was going on, but they were very like, something is up. And so when Cameron came to pick her up, not even 24 hours later, they were like, where do you like, can we have your address? Can you do this? Like, yeah, so we can like send you stuff. Yeah. And, uh, he was like, oh, well, we're like, you know, we're moving from one house to another. So I'll, I'll forward you our new address. Yeah. And that was it. And they left. Um, So they went back to Red Bluff and things were worse than uh, worse than her uh, than her life was before uh, she went to go visit her family. I don't know if it was because like he snapped or what, but actually I do know. I don't know why I said that. Uh, She was restricted back to the box again. she was only allowed to come out to do late night chores, uh, eat and use the bathroom and be sexually assaulted by Cameron. And it was because Janice, uh, Janice's jealousy was becoming super strong. So she like kind of put her foot down on things. And so uh, she wasn't allowed all that freedom like before. Yeah. So about three years later, so that we're, we're well into uh almost seven years now yeah um about three years later she found a way to convince Cameron she needed to help support the family uh so he because remember they still have this well it's not a baby anymore but they have this child also Mm -hmm. um so he let her get a job at a motel near their home um but obviously she would come home and at night she he would chain her by the neck and and she got to sleep in the bathroom in the back the back bathroom uh but uh where's the child this whole time you know 
nothing was really reported of him. So I have no idea. Obviously, the child was still with him because if there was this, um, not obviously, because I was going to say, you know, if a CPS worker came in, they would be able to see that she was there, but she's under the box. So they wouldn't see her. I don't know where the kid is, but uh, it, nothing was really ever really mentioned for him. So if the child was taken away, then uh it you know it wasn't I didn't see anything on it um yeah but uh Cameron eventually got her into the routine of sleeping alternatively he got into the routine of sleeping between Colleen and Janice alternatively so one night he would sleep with Janice one night he would sleep with uh, Colleen um which made her go over the edge be, or Janice go over the edge because um, he also talked to Janice of actually building a slave roster. He wanted more slaves. And Janice was like, this has got to stop. Like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, so eventually Janice started finding Colleen as an equal, sort of, um, more of a human. Um, she sort of befriended her and formed you know the borderline relationship that you possibly could um which I don't know what type of relationship that would be but she was like I we got I gotta get out of this situation so she had a come to Jesus moment uh and she actually talked to a local pastor and told him everything oh my god he was like yeah you gotta get out of that what the heck what in the world so she went down to the uh place that colleen was working and told her that the company was not true and obviously colleen's like why didn't you say something earlier like what the heck uh what (laughs) like i would be seven years you're in this torture chamber basically and you knew the whole time you didn't say anything like you're in on this too what the heck you're not any better I mean sure she is a victim herself but she could have at least said something to to Colleen and they could have worked together well before even the first year Mm -hmm. so that's why I don't know uh it's a fine line of like yes she was a victim but she was somewhat aware enough to tell someone eventually about it you know and she might have been sucked up in the manipulation and the brainwashing yeah um yeah I'm we I guess um not I guess I guess like not victim shaming whatsoever but no no not at all uh, there is some sort of responsibility that I feel like she owed to Colleen that she didn't yeah. do. So, yeah. uh, so, uh, uh, Colleen found out this, these news. She's like, all right, I'm going home. She called home, told them she was coming home and she went to the bus station. She called Cameron. She's like, I'm never coming back. And of course, he's like trying to manipulate her and he cried, but mm-hmm. she didn't, she didn't fall for it. And she got on the bus and went back to Riverside. Good for her, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, Damn. Uh, wow. 
Uh, so Janice went to the local police and she told them everything. And surprisingly, they didn't believe her at first, but they said it was because like you, like we've never dealt with anything like this before. (laughs) Uh, well, yeah. And I'm sure that it's also like, you've been living with him like this so long and yeah, yeah you've been going out you've seen your family like I'm sure it was a hard scenario for them to like no this was Janice Janice went to the police Colleen just went home oh good for her (laughs) she's like I can't anymore she's like I'm just going by I'm just going home I don't want to be in Red Bluff California anymore I want to go to where my parents are in Riverside I don't blame her yeah um but yeah, they didn't believe Janice at first, uh, but the police did uh, interview Colleen for two days, and so they went and arrested Cameron on August 22nd, 1984. Um, they then confiscated everything he used for his crimes, like the whips, the, the lockbox, everything that they could possibly find on him. Yeah. Of his. Um and uh or not on him but the yeah on him but they actually didn't find any evidence of Colleen actually being at his house ever and so they're like mm-hmm. uh and he Janice actually went back to Cameron um and he told her like burn everything that involves Colleen um including the contract and so they she burned everything so they couldn't find anything any proof whatsoever that Colleen was there um because they I mean sure there's these claims and they had they could only hold him for so long yeah and so they wanted to keep him behind bars and uh Two, there was two detectives working on this case and one of them actually was looking through one of his beloved magazines um, and found a camera negative. It felt like fell out on the floor. Whoa. And the camera negative was a picture of the contract she signed. <gasps> yep. And it had her name and signature on it. <laughs> so that was like enough evidence to keep him. Um, and he was indicted on 10 counts of kidnapping and rape, um, which surprisingly is not as much as I thought it would be, but, mm-hmm. uh, Janice and Janice, because, you know, she's was considered a kidnapper also, mm-hmm. uh, cause she never did anything about this. Um, she agreed to testify against him in exchange for immunity. Uh, so he was sentenced to 104 years behind bars. Um, and in 2015, he was in 2015, he was eligible for parole, but he was denied. Thank goodness. What trial uh, is he in? Do you know? Uh, uh, yes, he is in um, Chino. He's in Chino. Thank God. <laughs> uh, he so he uh, was eligible for parole in 2015, but was denied. Um and an article released by the Record Searchlight in Cal- Redding, California, mm-hmm. uh, a neighboring town of Red Bluff, um, in m- March of 2021, which is this year, uh, the article was released, 
stated because of good behavior, Cameron can be released as early as next month in September. What? Yep. Uh, however, thank goodness to good old Ta- uh, Tehama County District Attorney Matt Rogers, he is doing everything and has done everything to stop this. Um, so he mounted a campaign to get Cameron evaluated as a sexually violent predator, yeah. uh, which would delay his release, uh, even if his parole hearing in September is in his favor, um, which the campaign did pay off. The state hospital deemed him positive for classification as a sexually violent predator. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Um, but now the prosecutors need a judge to firmly determine that Cameron is a sexually violent predator, which would begin, the hearings would begin, I'm sorry, which would begin with hearings for uh probable probable cause um for a sexually violent predator um and the defendants usually fight um designations uh which makes the hearing super timely uh and rogers the district attorney expects the litigations to go well into 2022 so even if it goes into the state's favor he would be moved to a locked uh or not even, if it does go into a, the state's favor, uh, deeming him a sexually violent predator by the the state rather than just mm-hmm. the hospital, uh, he would be moved to a locked state prison um, and he would be subject to rig- rigorous treatment, a uh, rigorous treatment uh, treatment program that can take 10 to 20 years to complete um, and be considered for conditional release. Wow. Um, Mm-hmm. So as of right now, Cameron is 67 years old and is in the Chena State Prison for men. Um, and because of that district attorney, it doesn't look like he's coming out anytime soon. Um, mm-hmm. Thank goodness. Uh, Colleen is, has a daughter and a grandchild. And despite all that she's been through, she has had a wonderful life since her escape and is grateful to be alive. Good. So that oh is gosh. the story of Colleen Stan. Um, All that, I care about is how Colleen is doing. Like, yeah, after, I care about how Janice is doing. Also, like, mm-hmm. has she been able to lead a normal life? I have not. I did not look into Janice because I was more concerned about Colleen's story. Yeah. Um, but I can definitely look into that and give you an update next week on it. But um yeah I I did a lot of digging on Colleen's afterlife or not afterlife her life after her escape um but she and I actually did reach out to her but she is leading a pretty private life so which rightfully so um yeah so that's thank you for sharing that that's pretty deep it was so heavy I had to keep taking breaks because I was like oh this is too much oh it gets worse oh great it gets worse okay all right so tell me your story homeboy (laughs) all right homeboy all right home slice home slice there's this fruit fly like flying around my wine they're so bad right now they love wine yeah but I'm just like have my hand over 
yeah yeah we had really bad fruit flies uh this last couple weeks and we're like there's nothing out there's yeah, nothing they, for them to want they come out like the, the tail end of summer because they're just like mm, we're hungry now i hungry <laughs> Um, all right. So my story this week is not a murder either. It is a missing unsolved persons case. Yes. So today I'll be talking about Christine Walters. Christine Walters lived in Deerfield, Wisconsin in 2008. Wisconsin? Yeah. Hold on. Huh? It's not based out of Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Oh, da, 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 da. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so Christine lived in Deerfield, Wisconsin in 2008. She was a bright young student and she studied at the University of Wisconsin at Stevens Point. Uh, she studied botany and ethnobotany. Is that science? I don't know what that is. TBH. college. It sounds like science. Sounds like something, something science, botany. Um, Sounds like we need to go back to school. Sorry. (laughs) Hopefully. We're busy doing other things like this podcast. Like this podcast. (laughs) Uh, During her summer off from school in 2008, she decided to take a visit to Portland, Oregon. Oh. And she just was like interested and she thought it would be cool. She lives in Wisconsin and she's like kind of a hippie girl. So she was like, Portland, Oregon. That sounds like my place to be. Yeah. Yeah. So she was scheduled to return to Wisconsin. I'm not saying this right. Wisconsin. 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 It's not Wisconsin. It's Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Sorry, everybody. I have I have a friend that was born and raised in Wisconsin. So basically, I'm gatekeeping. You're saying it wrong. It's Wisconsin. 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 Okay. <laughs> <laughs> She was scheduled to return to Wisconsin and her university classes that fall, but she decided to extend her stay because she loved the area. Oh, that's so cool. She was falling in love with it. She was Who like, doesn't? I made, some, I made some besties. I live in Portland, so I mean, like, same. I'm not surprised. <laughs> There's a lot of great food here. Yeah. Good community. Um, so she made some friends during her time in Oregon. But the friends were all, that were in Oregon also were visiting. Um, they were from Humboldt County um, oh, in California. Yeah. So um, she had decided to visit them in Eureka, California after a time in Oregon. She was like, you know, they left. And she was like, I'm just going to follow them because you, you lived know, in my. You lived in Eureka. I lived in Arcata, California. Oh, Arcata. Yeah, which is like about 25 minutes. I can't remember the commute. On the bus, it was like forever. Right. Um, But did I take the bus? Yeah, I would take the bus. It was not fun. Yeah, you didn't, um, have, a, you didn't have a car, I don't think. I did not have a car in uh, Humboldt County, which kind of sucked. Yeah. Um, But so she made some besties in Oregon. They lived in Eureka and she was like, to just follow them because this is my life now yeah why not? um I, yeah around that time she became very interested in spirit spirituality alternative lifestyles and environmental causes 
So her hippie lifestyle was becoming more hippie. She was like, you know, this is the place to be. Humboldt like was is known for just like people going there to be able to kind of like one with nature. Live, well, be one with nature and live a like free, right? You know, free spirited life. Yeah, free spirited life. There's lots of like hippies and really great like you know people just living their lives like off the grid. well and great communities for that too yeah communities yeah. for that I mean you want whatever attracts you to your current lifestyle and that was like her lifestyle yeah so, that makes sense it's perfect um she started to lose the desire to return to her old life um so she just was gonna stay in Eureka California um cool so uh, if some of our listeners don't know, Eureka is a part of Northern California's Emerald Triangle, which is oh, considered sad. to be, yeah, it's considered to be one of America's most beautiful areas, but it's also a hotspot for missing person reports, yeah. making it one of the most treacherous, treacherous, <laughs> botch that word, treacherous, treacherous, treacherous areas as well. It's a super dangerous area. Lots of unsolved murders, missing persons reports. It's like known for that. I don't know if uh, any of our listeners listeners have watched uh, Murder Mountain, but also I was like, just gonna talk about Murder Mountain. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of like. Um, it's on Netflix. And it's really good. Yeah, uh, it's not, I mean, that I mean it's not really good, but you know what I mean. Yeah, there's very like, informative. That area is known for growing marijuana and then just like random grow grows throughout that area that are kind of like unregulated also so um there is a lot of crime that's involved with it um i know that area has gotten a little bit better since marijuana has become legal um but still there's a lot of like sketchy under the table stuff that results because a lot of the people don't want to follow the regulations yeah the regulations Mm -hmm. taxes like all the other governmental like yep rules that follow with legalizing it legalizing it so um although it's like super beautiful i lived in arcata for like a month and couldn't find a job i'm happy it never worked out because i wouldn't be where i am today but um beautiful area i'd love to have like a vacation home there but not ideal for like starting out yeah starting out it's kind of like a hard place to get get ground your feet so i'm sure like she she already has her group of friends here so it's a little bit easier for her but like right might not be the great greatest group of people right um so she kept in regular contact with her family during her time in Humboldt. She contacted them regularly. She didn't lose touch with them, um, but she started to call less um, after her arrival in California. So, you know, Portland, she was like calling every day. She's like super in touch with them. But like, as as soon as she got to Eureka, she kind of started calling them less and less. And she wasn't working consistently and repeatedly asked her parents for money. Um, at one point, her father would send her a thousand dollars, which was left untouched in her bank account. What? She didn't yeah. touch it. Mm-mm. 
she asked for it and then didn't touch it yeah well she asked for money and he just like her father ended up sending her like a lump sum of a thousand dollars and she just like never did anything with it interesting yeah which my guess is that she didn't have any like form of like i to get it maybe uh, way to get yeah. it so um on the morning of november 12 walter was found standing on a doorstep of a rural home outside of arcada a town Who? near eureka uh christina walters oh oh okay sorry. okay it's okay i switched her last name i'm sorry i'll start that over no that, that's a, that's okay it's just our cat or the kitten that we have is named walter so i was like I don't know. And I was just looking at him, so I was very confused. (laughs) Her cat was standing. Uh, Christine was found standing on the doorstep of a a home outside of Arcata, a town near Eureka. She was confused. She was naked and covered with scratches, bleeding and bruised. uh, And she was begging the homeowners for help, saying someone was following her. Yeah. Late at night. Um, The homeowner... Yeah, the homeowner called the police who took her to took her to St. Joseph's Hospital for treatment. She obviously appeared frightened and explained someone was after her, but she wouldn't say exactly what had happened to her. And she wouldn't say exactly who was after her. Um, she was very discreet in that area, but, you know, her appearance appearance showed that obviously someone was hurting her had hurt her yeah um she after she was discharged and everything uh from the hospital she would she told her would later tell her mother that there were demons chasing after her demons in the forest demons chasing after her in the forest and that no matter where she went they would find her and try to kill her again oh my gosh yeah so and her mom just like this is like i don't understand but you know yeah come home um the police did test her for drugs and alcohol based on her behavior um, right when she was found but she tested negative for everything wow yeah police decided not to detain her um they took her to a hotel in eureka um kind of as like a you know you're gonna stay here she didn't have a place of residency or anything um so after this horrific event she had decided to make arrangements for to go back home she was going back to wisconsin to like be with her family right makes Um, sense but she had lost all of her identification so she had to get new documents so she could travel she didn't have anything (sighs) to fly or anything so she was stuck in eureka oh and that can take a couple weeks to get yeah um so christina fortunately was last seen on november 14th just um that would be a few days after her incident was this 2008 yeah okay so still 2008 just a few days after the incident um two days after she was found sorry oh my gosh she was found scared to death and disheveled on the house door the rural house doorsteps she 
So she had gone to a copy center where her mother faxed her some papers to help her obtain new identification. Right. Um, was getting that started, getting that whole thing started. Um, employees at the copy center stated Walters appeared nervous and on high alert, super paranoid. She was, you know, like someone was like going to be there any minute. Right. And um, she was trying to hide the papers too. She like w- put them like in her jacket pocket and everything. Like she didn't want anyone to see them. Um, she has never been heard from again and was last reported seen at that copy center. Oh, honey. She was reported missing on November 17th. Ugh. Um, so her backpack, money, and identification were found after her disappearance at a spiritual center in Arcata. Uh-huh. Um, she often left her belongings there when she went for walks in the Arcata community forest. So, you know, although she was last seen at the copy center, her remains, like her belongings, were found at the spiritual center um, right before, you know, where she goes for her walks in the forest. So that had her birth certificate and stuff? Yeah, it had all her money, all her, like, IDs and everything um, in her backpack there. Interesting. Um, Yeah, a private investigator was hired by her parents. Um, He had found out she was in a tea ceremony before she was found and taken to the hospital. Uh, these ceremonies are legal, actually legal in the United States um, because the participants take ayahuasca, a drink containing two drugs, harming, which is illegal in the United States, and DMT, which is considered uh-huh. a controlled substance. Um, and um, ingesting ayahuasca causes vomiting, diarrhea, and hallucinogen- hallucinations, hallucinations, hallucinations. Oh my um, god. That can last last up to 10 hours. Um, it has been known to cause adverse reactions, including episodes of depression or mania. And some people who are predisposed to mental illness. Uh-huh. Um, so you know, taking it can cause like more um mania and right. uh hallucinations. Oh um, but my it's gosh. unclear whether the tea ceremony is related to her disappearance um so obviously it was super uncharacteristic of her to leave without warning or to be out of touch with her family um she lived a normal life she enjoyed nature and was working on a farm in stevens point um she also taught pilates and yoga um but you know this regular college student yeah nature loving human being uh was last seen on november uh 7 uh november 14th sorry um and her case remains unsolved to this day what do you think happened to her um so like i there's a lot of facebook pages for her missing uh and a lot of like community pages for her because she had a lot of people who loved her and she was very well loved she was very well known um in some cases it says like you know they're in that whole like hippie like area there's like you know kind of 
I'm not going to say cult because like you can do whatever you want, but like obviously right. people who go off the grid and kind of leave behind their life and like kind of become homeless on purpose to just like right be complete like disappear basically yeah um I'm not sh- I'm going to say that might be the case for her because like stating possible mental trauma um from ingesting hallucinogens um but also you know I there is a whole expansion of this there is the the missing five um in Humboldt they're all related cases that are like very similar um I didn't want to expand on that because it was like a right. whole deep it's dive a whole into thing. it yeah um but there is like or other females in that same area, uh, same, look exactly the same, um, all around the same age, um, all their same, like, characteristics, um, and and they all disappeared. I wonder if that has anything to do with her case. Yeah, Yeah. so she is actually connected to that whole, um, I want to say she is, gotcha, okay, yeah, okay, so, um, it is a mystery still because like you know that is just an an assumption that like those four are all related and it has to do with one individual who is like taking these women right um but it remains unsolved oh christina Um, and then also i mean i'm not gonna throw out demons in the woods um sorry i apologize for my cat meowing constantly (laughs) um but yeah, that's what I think happened. Um, what do you think happened? Um, I really, I mean, so you think that she just completely lost touch of everybody because of the trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I honestly think that she is, if someone was actually after her, um, I think she's being held up somewhere and being forced to, uh, maybe that's just because I just uh, covered Colin Stan, but I think there's a lot of, uh, bad, bad people there that force people to work on their farms. Yeah. And that's what I think is she's being forced to work on someone's farm. Uh, but that's just because uh, I've watched Murder Mountain like twice. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a um, good point of view. I don't doubt it, honestly. I mean, it's a very it. I, I wish I don't want to think that someone killed her. So no. uh, that would be the best case scenario for her. Is if she's just. I'm not best case scenario. Best case scenario is her going off the grid and not talking to anyone ever again. Yeah. But if she's constantly talking to her parents, it's it would be weird for her to just cut them out. Mm-hmm. So I think like the second best case scenario is she's just working on someone's farm and she can't get out of it for some reason. Yeah, I could see that. So she would actually be 36 now, like this year. Gosh. Um. I'll kind of go with, so at the time of her di- disappearance, she was described as 5'2", 100 to 115 pounds. Um, she's Caucasian with strawberry blonde hair. Her ears and nose are pierced, and she has a black butterfly tattoo on her hip. 
and a green and purple iris flower tattoo on the back of her neck. Ooh. So if you have any information in, on this case or have any sightings of Christine Walters of that description, you can call the Humboldt County Sheriff's Office at 707-445-7251. Um, and then also, I kind of was like, researching this, I was like, I wonder how many people go have gone missing in Humboldt County. Oh, yeah. So I like, <laughs> I, I googled it. And so what I got was the citing data from the California Department of Justice um, as of November 3rd, 2019. So this isn't even updated. Um, the Humboldt County Sheriff's Office, Office tallied 165 missing adults, adults, just adults, um, locally since 1975. And what year um, was that last updated? 2019. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And um, those are just the recorded missing person cases. Um, people continue to disappear unrecorded to this day in that area. It breaks my heart. Yeah. So if you have any information, I mean, like, it's, I, you know, missing person cases are so, like, heartbreaking, but... Um, People still, you know, they love her and they still keep updated on the page. Um, it looks like it's been a while since anyone posted um, for the Facebook page specifically, but um, it's still, I think it's still a good cause to be involved in. Oh, absolutely. You live in that area. I know for myself, if I get like any sort of like Amber Alerts in my area, I like am on high alert. High like, alert. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's my duty as a civilian to make sure that like I am helping catch whatever person is on the lookout. Yeah. For. Yeah, absolutely. So, oh, yeah. thank you. Wow. Yeah. I can't. Good. <sighs> that poor girl that yeah. makes me sad wow thank you for sharing that yeah, of she'll be 36 this year yeah she'd be 36 now uh, oh geez that's not much older than i am yeah that's sad mm-hmm. thank you thank you for listening we yes. gotta go yes uh and uh, check us out on Twitter, uh, DYMTS uh, podcast uh, on Twitter, and same with Instagram, DYTMS podcast. Um, check us out on Facebook. Did you take my shirt? Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't. Did we introduce our the name of the podcast in the beginning? Today? I yeah. think so. Yeah. Huh. Well, if you did, this isn't. This is Did You Take My Shirt? I think <laughs> uh, it's Did You Take My Shirt on Facebook and Did You Take My Shirt at gmail.com. And I think soon we're going to start doing um, listener stories. Um, so if you got a listener story, uh, you know, write in. We want to hear your hometown murders. We want to hear spooky stories. Uh, we just, you know, if you want to tell us about your day, let us know. And um, uh, Patreon, check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash did you take my shirt? And uh, $5 a month gets you access to our unedited videos. So you'll see lots of fun things, our 
facial expressions. You'll see my how to express mess today. Um, no makeup. Uh, just came out of the car of a seven hour drive, six and a half hour drive. You'll see the cats. You'll see kids coming in. You'll see all fun, fun stuff. Not kids, not, not just kids. We got cats and dogs coming in. <laughs> uh, so please, please, please come in or come in. Please, please, please subscribe uh, to Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. And um, on whatever platform you're listening to on, if you can leave a review, please leave a review. We want to hear nice things. Um, and it helps us donate to our Patreon because we would love, love, love to get better equipment um and bye um bye <laughs> be good be safe um, um bye <laughs> and bye bye, bye.